I left school. That was the hardest decision I ever had to make. I cried for two reasons. I cried because there was an awesome opportunity that happened, but I would be leaving behind something that I really did want to finish, but also knew that my career was the path that I really had chosen from birth. MJ had to do what MJ had to do for her. This episode of the Allure podcast is made possible by Ulta Beauty. Last year, Allure and Ulta Beauty launched See Yourself, See Each Other, a project that inspired honest conversations around inclusivity, identity, and representation in beauty. For our second edition, we're looking at acceptance through a more personal lens. We challenged celebrities, influencers, and editors to share their journeys from self-consciousness to self-acceptance in an effort to inspire people across the country to recognize the beauty in their own uniqueness. Learn more at allure.com forward slash see yourself, see each other. I am so excited today to be joined by the wonderful Pose star, MJ Rodriguez. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Looking wonderful. Your hair is so glossy and shiny. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. She does a little bevel every single <laughs> break and moment in her time. So I feel like I normally start these off with talking about childhood. With myself also, so much about who I am today and how I view beauty and other things was really set and like established during that part of time. Where did you grow up? There were two different places I had grew up. I say I'm born and raised in Newark, New Jersey, because that's just where most of my life took place. But before that, when I was younger, I grew up in a place called Jackson, New Jersey. I was four and stayed there until about nine or 10. It was a, a very different place because I was a kid who was very, very unique and also of African-American and Latina descent. And being in that area, it was great because it was quiet and you got to see the stars and everything. But um, at certain points in time, I found myself really excluded or ostracized. So growing up there was sometimes fun, but for the most part, just a little weird and murky. And I know some of the people probably hearing this from Jackson are probably going to be like, what girl, that's how you really felt. And now as a person who's developing and has a mind that's developed as an adult, I can express these things. Yeah. Was Jackson very diverse or not at all? It had its spots that were diverse, but for the most part, it wasn't completely. Yeah. It is funny because I had the same experience too. I grew up mostly in Connecticut in a town that was completely not diverse. We were the only Asian family in town. And I think as a kid, it's hard because typically, unless you move around a lot, you don't have anything to compare it to. Right. Right. So it's sort of like, I didn't know until I got older mm-hmm. that I was like, wait, there's like diversity in other places. Exactly. <laughs> That's how it happened to when I actually, when I moved away from Jackson, not moved away, we're going to change that to ventured off from Jackson because it wasn't really that bad. I moved back to Newark, New Jersey and... I got actually the flip of everything. I was considered weird over in Jackson, different and racially hurt and 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 things were slung at me. But when I went to Newark, New Jersey, I got the reverse. People were calling me white girl. And yeah, because it just made no sense to me, like the, the switch. But it was kids too, so I couldn't really take it to full effect. But um, moving back to Newark was actually the highlight of my life because I got to be around people who were like me and who understood me and who were a part of my struggle. And it was great. It was yeah. amazing. Do you remember what your first memory of beauty was? Ooh, there are so many things that I could remember. But the first thing was my hair. I was 
12 or 13 years old. And I was in the mirror at my grandmother's house. And my mother had just braided my hair, single braids. She used to do cornrows, single braids. Sometimes I would rock it out when she told me not to. (laughs) (laughs) But this day was single braids. And I looked in the mirror and I was like, oh, my God, these are on point. My mom did a good job. (laughs) I look good. Then I looked over to like my left because my grandmother had like this drawer of beauty supplies. She had a whole bunch of Olay products, like facial products, and she had Revlon and all these other things. I saw a beveler. I grabbed the beveler and I started just straightening my hair. And that was like my first depiction of what beauty was, was my hair and how it looked on my face and how it framed my face. And I was so happy. Were your mom and grandmother very like big into beauty also? Yes, they were. Especially my grandmother. She had a whole bunch of skin products. They were always lined up on her dresser. Was there someone back then, whether it was family or a celebrity or anyone, who you just considered to be the epitome of beauty? Yeah, when I was 17 or 18, I remember seeing a woman named Janelle Monet, And I fell in love with her music, but I also fell in love with her, her personality, how she took care of herself when it came to her skin and when it came to the things she stood for and just the beautiful face that she has. I was just like, oh my God, this is the epitome of icon, legend, beauty, just everything. And I remember like sometimes tailoring myself after her with the things that she did. I'm assuming you've met Janelle since then? Yes, I have. We've actually become pretty close. Isn't that um, so wild? It's like, <laughs> very, very wild. I remember, oh my God, I remember going to her concert and she's still like perfect, like baby doll, like face, yeah. like it's beautiful. She just is someone who like owns her confidence too. She does. Like whether she's on stage or we, we did a cover with her last year or the year before mm-hmm. and like she just, she's amazing. Like she just has this innate sense of style. She does. I think that comes naturally with her too. I think she knows herself. I think she's known herself for a very long time. And I think that's one of the reasons why we connected too, because I I would say we saw that we knew who we were from the beginning. Yeah. Well, okay. Great transition. I've read other interviews with you and you've talked about knowing you were a girl when you were seven years old. Mm -hmm. Can you walk us through that period in your life? Yeah. So ever since I was a kid, I knew I was very different. And when I say different, I don't mean it in the aspect of negativity. I mean it in positivity. I mean it in special, unique, great, amazing, like those things I knew at a young kid. When I got to the age of seven, I started developing thoughts. I mean, every kid starts developing thoughts in their mind when they're around seven through 10 and they're formulating sentences, they're formulating thought processes. They're they're doing all of those things. And for me, the thought process for me was, how do I let everyone know who I am at seven years old? Wow. But I didn't have the vocabulary. I didn't have the wording at that time of seven years old. Trans was not a thing to me. LGBTQAI was not a thing to me. I didn't know those words because I was young, but I still knew that I was different. I still knew that I wasn't the reflection of what I was on the inside. There's something more. So I kept on with life. I was a kid that let things roll off my back. I mean, I'm a tomboy at heart. So that's just the situation. I don't know why that came in. I had to let people know about that. (laughs) (laughs) 
but um, as time moved on, the thought of who I was just started gnawing at me. I didn't know how to say it, but it was gnawing at me. So I prayed. I remember being in my father's eclipse. It was an orange eclipse and he was driving me, I think, back to Newark. And I remember just praying on, I think, the dashboard or the where the the airbag laid. And I said, God, please make me a girl. And I didn't know at that time what would have come, but I feel like it was pretty much answered when my life happened now. But at that time, I couldn't express that to my dad. Not that my dad didn't accept me, but I didn't have the words. I didn't have anything to say that was on my part for me. Without you saying it, do you think that your parents sensed it? Of course, they knew. They definitely knew. I remember talking to my mom, actually, as of recently, and asking her, I said, Mommy, did you know about me? And she was like, Girl, of course I knew about you. She's like, I knew you ever since you had this little doll that you had created. Her name was Tasha. And I remember Tasha. That's awesome. Here at Allure, we always talk about beauty in like a a broad sense, right? Like a lot of our world is about beauty products and stuff, but it's also about how we identify and how we feel about things. How, when you look back on your life, and especially, I guess, the early years, how have you been judged by or for how you look? I was always a person who was divinely feminine. Always. And I say that in confidence because that's just what it is. That would be expressed through my clothing. It would be expressed through my hairstyle. Sometimes it would be expressed through what I put on my face, cosmetics. As we know, when you are in high school, that can be one of the hardest times because kids are figuring themselves out every single waking moment. So sometimes they have to express it out loud. Sometimes they become a little introverted and don't express it. I expressed mine out loud, but not with my words, with my actions and my fashion and clothes and beauty. And kids would say things, not extremely mean things, but things that still poked. Yeah. It drew a little blood in the other sense, not in like physical sense. And it would be hurtful. It would make me feel like what I was doing was not necessary or wasn't accepted. How did you get through that, though? How Like, was it just an innate sense of confidence? Like, was there a moment where you're like, oh, well, maybe I should stop doing that? Or did you just know, like, I just have to let this roll off my back? It's funny I say these things on how they hurt me, but there was never a moment of me saying, I got to stop this. I was just rebellious in that way where I was like, I'm going to keep doing it until you just can't handle it. And I'm not going to overtly do it. I'm going to do it with class. Yeah, that's amazing. Do you feel like it's different now? Like if you were growing up now, if you were in high school now, Mm -hmm. do you feel that high school kids are just different because the world has come around now? I do. I think also the generation that's behind us now, they're just really, really informed. They have all of the information and it's clearly in technology now, which it has its ups and its downs. But for the most part, the young ones behind us are actually learning and they're doing the right thing by doing the research for themselves. So yeah, it's much different now. And I think that they have the information to, or the education to have the conversation with someone like myself and not think about the title, not think about anything else, but the spirit that's inside, the human that's right in front of them. So yep. yeah, they have all of that. Yeah. And and for sure, thanks to you and thanks to other people, like I feel like just like your own visibility has helped so much. Thank you. I mean, <laughs> listen, I I've always wanted this. I remember the day I had another prayer. I'm very, very spiritual. And I speak out whenever I need to speak out to the universe. 
And I remember I was on the phone with my my godfather. And after I had gotten off the phone, I was just like, oh, let my life happen the way it needs to happen, please. I just need the answers, you know, what everybody I'm sure does in their lonesome. And I got the answer within a week. And that kind of freaked me out a what bit. What was the answer? The answer was my life was posed. Oh Pose my gosh, happened. wow. And it was insane. I am a big believer, though, that if you put something out into the universe, it absolutely happens. It does. Yep. It does. Yep. And also the work that you put into, we can't forget about the two things that coincide, but you definitely put it out. It does happen. Yep. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. So when you were a kid, you also started performing, too. Mm-hmm. At what age was that? Whew. I would say I started performing at seven. Not professionally. My mother was having me in programs. But when I really professionally started doing it was when I was 11. I was in New Jersey Performing Arts Center for eight years. Once you started performing for larger audiences, Mm -hmm. what do you think that that gave to you? It gave me more of a sense and confidence. It gave me validation. And my validation, I feel, is different because I'm a Black, Latina, trans woman. I'm a minority that is probably on the lowest of the totem pole. So if you walk out into an audience and they are receiving you, and you have all these things, all of these thoughts, this, some some trauma, and you see that there's love out there, it changes your whole perception of everything. You see that people are out there who are fighting for you, who are rooting for you, and who want you to succeed. So it's a bit different for me, and it feels good. That's amazing. Thank you. Did you know from a young age that that's what you wanted to do as a profession also? Yes. I knew that from, I think, two Wow. Yeah, I knew that from two. My mom would always hear me at one singing in the backseat of the car because I learned how to speak, which shows because I talk a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, yeah, it was always, it was always there. Did you ever have a fear about, because I've talked to other actresses and actors who, for example, Gemma Chan, right? Mm -hmm. So Gemma Chan I think started out going to law school and then her father specifically, I believe, had said to her, if you want to become an actress, you're going to have a hard time getting roles because it's like there are maybe two roles a year that you could ever even like, you know, be. Mm -hmm. Did you also have any fear of that or did you feel like I'm going to do this and like it's just going to happen? It was pretty much I'm not going to have a fear of this and I'm going to make it happen. I had so much against me when I was younger. Why not take on the thing that I love, but the also the biggest thing that is the hardest thing? It's a hard career. Yeah. But the beauty of it, the the benefits of it are so amazing to be able to have a platform and to speak. That was my main goal from day one. I wanted to change the world the moment I knew what I had. Did you have a first love as far as, like, was your first love stage? Did you really want to get into TV and movies? Or was it just, I want to do it all? My first love was music. I went to school for music, Berkeley College of Music. And songwriting was a big part of my life at that time. And I noticed when I retract back as a kid, when I was like 12 through 15, I was always creating, always writing things and giving them to my mom and reciting them to my mom. So yeah, music was that one thing I knew was powerful. I think it's still one of the most powerful tools in the world. It can change for the better. Yeah. And I wanted to pursue that. And then acting came along and I knew that I had the knack for it and I knew that I had 
the equipped skills due to New Jersey Performing Arts Center. They honed us and everything. And I fell in love with that right after. So That's amazing. And so when you were 14, you came out to your parents. Can you walk us through that? Like what was going on through your head? How did your family respond? Mm-hmm. Like what, what was that all like? For me, coming out wasn't a thing for me because I was always myself. So the wording for me, and I would love to educate a little bit on that. So coming out to me was a way of making people feel like they're okay, but still holding them to a, a title of being in a, another box. For me, I was always a human being. For me, I always lived as me. I never felt like I had to come out to my parents, but I had to express more to them because I wasn't telling them everything that I needed to tell them. And they were very vocal with me being that they were my parents. So I thought as a child, as a kid who's 14 years old, I can express myself to them. And my mom will tell you to this day, I was a kid who like expressed, who talked after I found my voice. (laughs) I was talking to my mom's boyfriend, who I consider my stepdad, and I remember him saying, okay, well, we're going to go talk to your mom. And I said, okay, that's fine. We walk into the room and he says, she's got something to say to you. (laughs) And that's what I feel like just in general, African-American parents, they do. They're very, very loving and very, very in-depth and making sure that everything is okay, especially within the family. I remember sitting on (laughs) on the couch and crying. Crying, crying, crying. And they were sitting there so calm. Were you crying because you were nervous? Or why, I was why crying, crying because I was nervous. I was crying because I thought I could possibly get kicked out. I was crying because of all of these things, making all of these things up in my head. And I remember telling my mom, mom, I'm bisexual. Now, mind you, I didn't want to consider myself gay because I saw myself as female. I didn't see myself as a male who liked men. I saw myself as a female who liked the opposite sex, who liked males. So I didn't want to tell her I was gay because I felt like that would be a false depiction of me and I would be lying to her again. So I was just like, I'm bisexual, just to let you know, because that was the only way of me separating. And I didn't have the wording for trans yet at that moment. And I was scared to tell her I was female. But... When I told her that, I think she knew. And me crying all of this out, she said, I already knew that already, child. And I stopped crying. In my head, I'm like, you mean to tell me I was crying this whole time and you had already (laughs) knew about me? You had already (laughs) suspected? So yeah, and my stepfather was over there on the bed. They were both on the bed just smiling. And then after that, I just walked in my room and felt at ease. Yeah, they sound amazing. (laughs) Looking back, like if you could write a letter to your younger self, like what would you say to yourself? Hmm. Even as a kid, I feel like you had this really strong sense of, I'm going to succeed. This is going to be okay. Like normally, I feel like when I talk to people about that, they're like, oh, I was such a mess as a kid. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, it's crazy. I would just, what would the letter be, MJ? The letter would be to never fault yourself. And to never think that your words that you are speaking for affirmation aren't invalid, but they are very, very valid. You deserve the world and more, and you will succeed. And I think I'm probably going to tell that to my kids when I'm younger, too. That's amazing. I love that. After the break, MJ and I discuss Pose's impact and the actress she considers a beauty icon in the making. You all know I love Ulta Beauty. 
For one, I think we have a lot in common as brands, since we both celebrate the beauty in every person and believe beauty is limitless. I live in the suburbs, so I love going to the stores out there, which are enormous. You can find almost anything in makeup, fragrance, hair care, and skincare. They have over 20,000 products. And have you been to the one in Manhattan? Oh my God, it is amazing. It's just light and bright and has such a good fun vibe because Ulta Beauty knows you aren't there to get beautiful. You're there because you already are. Visit Ulta.com to learn more and find a store near you. Ulta Beauty, the possibilities are beautiful. Welcome back to the Allure podcast. Our conversation with MJ Rodriguez continues. I'm sure you've had young people either reach out to you on social media or even in person asking your advice. Mm -hmm. Do you give advice about, like, if someone said to you, I really want to come out to my family, but I don't know how. Like, I feel like it's, I can see it being two ways, right? That it's Mm -hmm. like, it's hard sometimes giving such personal advice to somebody when everyone's situation is totally different. And a lot of parents are not going to be as cool as your parents are. Like, what what do you say to people? I used to actually be very, very, very in in tapped with, my fans and like in DMs and everything. And then it started getting it's too much. Really, it started yeah, you getting, can't you can't keep up. I know. I was like, oh my God, I, I hope they don't feel this way. So now I try to speak to them on live when I can so they feel included. I remember in the beginning stages there were so many that I could actually speak to and I would give the advice as much as I as much as I knew. My life was very much different from a lot of people's, but the things that I went through that we could relate to, I made sure that I let them know that it's gonna be okay. And well maybe you should do this and take some time for this. And think about it before you actually say it. Like I'm, it's weird for me saying it because I'm not even a mommy yet. But I felt like I was being very motherly. <laughs> I don't know if it's due to Miss Blanca or not, but I think it is. Yeah, I would just make sure I tried to direct them in the right way and not in a way that was ingenuine, that was not fake. Because some people will give advice and not know what they're saying. Yep. I went specifically from my experience, and then I stopped when I didn't know, and I would ask them questions. I think that's what helped them move forward. Now it's kind of, like I said, it's kind of hard now because I I get an influx of it. So I try my best to answer them on on live and everything when I am on. It is super helpful. And I think that there are more voices out there now that can be helpful too. So Mm -hmm. it's super impactful when you can actually like really make a difference in someone's life. Mm -hmm. It's pretty awesome. It does feel good. Yeah. And so, okay. So as a teenager, you were also part of the ballroom scene. Yes. What did that provide for you? Provided me a sense of knowing. I When I was in high school, I started there. I was walking fashion shows at my high school. And I remember a fashion show that I had done. There were a couple that I had done. And I hadn't met the person who I'm going to mention at that moment. I was just doing them because of my friends who were also at Arts High. Eric Jernigan's and Mr. Anthony. And... There was a specific fashion show. I remember have like having a ripped tasseled shirt and walking and doing this move that I had seen on the internet. And this was when I was like freshman year, high school, 14. And actually, I think it was at the end of my freshman year. I can't remember. <laughs> but the guy who I had been seeing graze the space of Arts High was a man named Timothy J. Smart. And he had taught this girl named Diva Devana, who had made an appearance on Tyra Banks' show and America's Next Top Model. And he had just done makeup and done ballroom. And I remember seeing him and just like falling in love with this this person who was just like changed a lot underground and in mainstream. And they would mention it a lot, too. 
And that day with that tousled shirt and I did this move, he said, that's my daughter. And I was like, yes. So after that, I was going out with him to New York City, him and his house son and Eric and Anthony and another girl named Deshauna. We all went to school together, high school for a minute. And the rest was history. That's when I first saw people that were like me. After that, I considered myself in the house of Jordan when we all came together. But when like 15 and 16, my age, those ages hit, I kind of drifted off from the ballroom scene and started focusing on my acting, but still was going back and forth. And I saw so many, so many beautiful faces and extravagant personalities and really deep-rooted, soulful individuals who were like myself, especially women who were like myself. I feel like that was the first time I actually saw me and some of those women, and it changed my life forever. That's amazing. So the ballroom scene was one of the things that actually really honed me and showed me who I was even more yep. than what I had already known when I was a seven-year-old, three-year-old kid. Yeah. When you look back on your career now, do you look back at one moment as your big break? Hmm. You know, I had to think about this because I had two moments in my life that were really extremely defining. One of them was Rent. That changed my life completely in in the musical theater realm. Was it a big process getting that role? Or was it something where you just got it? Oh, it was a, an extreme process. <laughs> it wasn't bad. It was just an extreme process for me because I was still in college at that time, finishing off my first semester at Berkeley and going back and forth between finals, five auditions, and then a workshop. It was definitely, it wasn't a hard time, but it was definitely something that I was fighting for. Did you know in your heart that you were going to get it? No, I didn't. <laughs> Let me tell you, I got so many calls from my friends at that time, friends on on campus telling me, girl, you need to go audition for, for Rent. They're having Angel and you need to go and audition for Angel. And me, I'm like, well, I got to stay in school and my mother doesn't want me to go and leave school. And don't nobody want no girl like me. You know, like <laughs> Angel's going to be cast. Like, it's fine. I'm not going to audition. And then I got a call from a good friend of mine. And he said, you need to go. This is something very important and it could be a big opportunity for you. And I had already been in cohoots with a really wonderful friend of mine, Freddie Walker Brown, who's the original Joanne. And she had already told me it was happening, but my mind being the way I am due to what I've gone through, my mind had always told me to shame it. So like, no, it's not going to happen. No, it's fine. I don't need to go out for that. They're not looking for me, you know? And then it happened. And I cried on the floor. How did you find out? Was it a phone call? It was a phone call from a woman named Bethany Knox. She and so many other women changed my life. It was the most defining moment in my life. That's amazing. Did you stay in school or did you just leave school at that point? Like, I how did you? School. That was the hardest decision I ever had to make. I cried for two reasons. I cried because there was an awesome opportunity that happened, but I would be leaving behind something that I really did want to finish, but also knew that my career was the path that I really had chosen from yeah. birth. To be honest with you, though, I feel like when those opportunities come along, school can wait because you can always go back to school. Exactly. You can't necessarily find that opportunity again. True. It's very, very, very true. And I agree with that 100%. And that's in no way deterring children to not go to school. But it's also saying that there is always opportunity to go back, like you said. Yeah. I knew that at that moment when 
I spoke to two people who were married and worked at Berklee College of Music. And one of them said, you need to stay in school. It's important. You can't just leave. It's You have to stay. And the husband said, I think you should go and I'll give you some credit. <laughs> he said, I'll give you some credit too. And at that moment, I love the fact that there were two different decisions and the ultimate decision was mine. Yep. MJ had to do what MJ had to do for her. Yeah. And I chose my my career, my my craft. And do you consider your other big break pose? Yes, I do. <laughs> yes, I do. That's like the big, big break <laughs> the, for sure. That is the hugest break I had ever had in my life. I was just about to give up. Really? I was just about to give up. I was talking to my mom. Was it just that roles were not coming quickly or what was making you want to give up? I didn't see myself being included in certain in certain roles and at that time, there were really no roads out there for me to actually be acclimated into the industry. So I just, I kept auditioning as much as I could, but nothing was really hitting. It was a really hard time for me because three years had gone by. And forgive me, my story about, I'd like totally mixed two stories up, but it's okay. But yeah, I remember three years going by and not getting anything whatsoever. Yeah. And I was thinking, why? And then... I would start going into auditions and listening to what they said, you're specific, or this, it's just really hard. They're not looking for your type right now. And I was like, what's that mean? What the hell is specific? There are a lot of specific people out here in this world, but what does that have to do with me? Then I took some time to take myself out of my way and see, oh, it's because not only am I existing and not caring about what people say about me, but it might be too much, you say, question mark. And then after that, I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to give up and I'm going to do a nine to five and just blend into the world and wow. not during, say anything. During those three years, were you supplementing with something else? Were you uh, doing sort of the, the actor thing where you were being a, a waitress? or <laughs> Every single day, I tried my best to just audition every single day, every single day. And that moment where I had that conversation with my mom was when I was going to stop. And then something happened after That's that. That's so crazy. Mm -hmm. And then how did Pose come about? Did somebody reach out to you or did you see something posted or how, how did that all come about? I was doing this small production around Christopher Street. It was called Street Children. And I had heard from this woman named Cece Suazo. She's a part of the LGBTQAI community. She said, girl, there's a new show that's on on the, the move, girl. You have to go and audition for it. I did my normal thing. Oh, girl, I can't. I, it's not going to be, you know, they're not going to want it for me. And she constantly made sure that it was in my brain, that it was etched there so that I would look it up. Another woman named Puya, who is also a part of the LGBTQI community, said, you need to go and audition for this part. So I remember hitting FX up. I know it probably wasn't the most professional thing to do, but this was a time where I was at all lengths to make sure that my career had happened the way it needed to happen because I knew I had a goal and a purpose. So I took that chance. Did you have an agent at the time or was it literally you being like, hey, I did have hey, an agent FX. at the time. I did have, have an agent at the time. And I hadn't asked them at that time, which I probably should have have asked, but I was so ready to go. And I knew they either probably had sent me out for it, but I just wanted to double check just to make sure. And it happened. They contacted me back and they said, don't worry, MJ, we have you 
listed your agent let us know and I was like perfect okay good I just just wanted to double check an audition happened the next day that's amazing did you already know quite a bit about the show at that point or were they being sort of like like was there a name for the show did you know that like who else was working on it I don't think they had completely posted the name yet I have found out through my friends who I think have found out through other individuals and were you auditioning for a specific role or did they just want to see like what you could do they I auditioned for a specific role. I wanted to specifically go in for Blanca because I knew the breakdowns had really been a complete representation of MJ. I knew that we were different, but I also knew that there were also some really strongly shared similarities between me and her. So I specifically auditioned for her. And was it fast? Like, was it you, you auditioned and they were like, you got this? I don't, it's hard to explain. It was It was fast, but then it also felt like there was a long time in between, which it wasn't. It was only two weeks. But when it was like the longest two weeks of your life, (laughs) it was the longest two weeks of my life. Like, girl, I literally freaked out. I had an audition when it was the camera audition. And then two weeks had gone by. And then after that, I got a a last call from Ryan Murphy and then went for my testing. And the rest was history. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. Was that a prayer also? Like, had you put that into the world? I hadn't put that in, or at least I didn't know I had put it into the world. I was definitely watching Glee for all of my life when I was in high school. So as you know, everything happened in high school. <laughs> Ballroom scene, Glee, music, everything. It was happening. And it was because I was an arts high. I guess in my mind, I've always wanted to be a part of his work and his legacy because he really does amazing work. And I'm not just saying that because I work with him and, you know, he's my boss. I'm saying it because he's actually really damn good at it. And he's a good guy too. And I wanted to be a part of that. I wanted to be a part of changing the world. And he always does it. And sometimes in the most classiest but abrupt ways. And I said, I want to do that. And when I saw the breakdowns of Pose and saw that this could possibly be a moment, I took it. So I do want to go backwards in time a little bit because you mentioned before not necessarily having the language of saying trans, right? Mm -hmm. At what point in your life did you either hear the term trans or realize that that's what you, how how you would identify? I heard it around 22, 23, I think, in that range, 22 between 24. I know I started moans when I was on 24. And if anyone doesn't understand the language of moans, it means hormones, hormone replacement therapy. I heard the lingo of of trans in about 2011. But before that, I was still living as who I was. I just didn't know how to address myself. And was it at all a decision to start hormones? Or were you just like, oh my gosh, I know about this thing now and I'm I'm starting right away? It was, I'm starting right away because for me, I knew I had to develop in the way I've always wanted to develop. And when I did the right research that I needed to do, I knew it was something that was not going to harm me. And I also knew that it was something that I needed for me. So I started right away. It wasn't any thought process or anything. My head had already been where it needed to be. It was just how I needed to move forward and how I needed to evolve. Yeah. What do you wish that people knew about being trans? I wish they understood that it's not the pinnacle of everything. You know, it's just one small, beautiful piece of us. But the first thing is that we're human. And a lot of people separate that every single day whether it be through race, whether it be through gender, whether it be through anything, titles in general, they separate and they box in. But that's what I think they do with trans a lot. And I think it needs to be released a little bit so that they can see the the person. And like I said, the spirit that's there. And then it won't be a thought. 
Yeah. I think we're getting there. It'll take, we it'll take time. It's taking a lot of time, but <laughs> it is getting there. I see a lot of progress in a lot of the conversations that I have, and I'm really happy. So. Yeah. Okay, so Pose is going on. It becomes this huge, massive hit mm -hmm. and also just has so much cultural impact. Mm -hmm. Did you know from the very beginning how much cultural impact it would have? I didn't. I knew it was something powerful. I knew it's something that I had to be a part of, but I didn't know it was going to be this big. Yeah. What were the first signs that you saw? Was it that people were stopping you on the street? Was it just more people reaching out to you on social media? Like, at what point did you know, oh my God, like, this is huge? The moment I first knew. Believe it or not, it wasn't people stopping me on the street because I always talk to everyone. And I talk to all my supporters. So that wasn't a big thing for me. Or even seeing it on television, I couldn't process that because of my shaming issues. But when I went to the Golden Globes for the first time, it hit me. And I remember being in the hotel room with my mother and like just laying on her, her knees and saying, oh my God, mommy, this is real. And she said, it is. She said, it's happening. It's all happening. And that's when I knew, oh God, this is my life. And I live for it. Yeah. <laughs> but this is my life. That's incredible. It's also, it's so great that you get to share that with your mom too, yes. right? Mm -hmm. We were in the bathroom just dancing in the mirror, putting on makeup together and just like doing everything that we had dreamed of doing. This was her dream as well. So like she gets to live through me in, in ways and it was really, really great. Yeah. What do you consider to be your greatest success? Well, one of my biggest ones I would say is partnering with Ole. That made me feel included in so many ways. It made me feel like I was deserving of acceptance, deserving of camaraderie between a business that you would never think you would be involved in being the person that you are and them accepting you completely. And then having that being opened up through the work that you you do. It is awesome, too, the fact that, I mean, there's this massive, like, legacy brand, like, global brand, and, like, to be able to partner with them, and, like, it, it is, it means a lot, I think, for representation in a lot of ways. Exactly, exactly, and it opens the conversation a little bit more. It amplifies the voices of many women like myself out there. It's not just stapled to one specific type of individual. It's a broad spectrum. And I feel like every woman deserves good skincare. Every single woman deserves that. And that's what I'm speaking for. And we know that. And that's the best part about the partnership is partnering with them is they understand. I'm not saying that there aren't any other ones that don't, but this is the biggest opportunity that I've ever had. It's one of the biggest beauty companies out there, corporations out there. And just being able to just be a partner is good. Yeah. I think it's it's really great hearing about your childhood, your upbringing, everything. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I always say, this is my, my transition. I always say, mm -hmm. this is the Allure podcast, so we have to talk about beauty. I'm down. <laughs> okay, Listen, beauty good. is my everything. So, How do you now use fashion and beauty to express yourself? To take a little small, little backstory. My mom has always been incorporating fashion in her life, and she's made sure that I was always like kind of hit when I went to school. You know, moms do it. So it was kind of a, a pass down thing to me and I implemented through my clothing and I implemented through my hair, my makeup and my skin. I love using cosmetic products. I used to do it a lot. I used to beat my face a lot. Now I don't have that much time to beat my face. <laughs> but when I do have the time, I do a little, you know, 
mascara. How did you teach yourself how to do makeup? I did it in rent. I taught myself how to do makeup when I was in rent. And there was a palette that you get of a face. Usually they have them at MAC too, but they have a palette and there's a face on there and they usually tell you where the contour goes or where the T-zone goes. That's like the first step, especially somebody coming into the musical theater realm because you're always doing makeup every single day, but you're doing it by yourself. So I learned that way and I carried it through my life. But stage makeup must be so different, right? Because you different. have to do it like so that pe- someone far away can see it. It's very, very true. And it's, it. You, I mean, when you see it up close, it may seem a bit harsh. It's beautiful, but it's a specific type of way you do it, like you said, so that people in the back balcony can see your mouth moving or see your, your eyes, you know, so you open up your eyes a little bit more. As time went on, I became a complete woman of fashion world. I loved everything that had to do with fashion. Smooth skin, bronzed, illuminated cheeks, and, you know, T-zone highlighted to the max. And I would use mainly, at that time, I would use MAC. It was beautiful because the overlay was so good. And they have like this um, creamy foundation that you use. And it's really, 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 really good for the skin. Were you into makeup before you wore skincare? I was into makeup before I started doing skincare. I I started actually with makeup first before I even did skincare, which was one of the reasons why my skin was so jacked up because I wasn't putting anything on it. And that was because I was young and stupid. <laughs> um, we, we all were. <laughs> right, right. But yeah, after after that happened, then skincare came in. I'm talking about like, you know, making sure that it's exfoliated, making sure that the primer is on and making sure that you, you know, bake it and all those yeah. things. And you also mentioned when you were a kid that your first memory about beauty was was hair related. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like now, do you love having fun with your hair too? Oh, I love having fun my, with my hair. Before I even came to this interview, honey, I was combing it and beveling it uh, like to the max just to make sure that it was like perfect. And it's not perfect, but I love hair. I love snipping and cutting. I love trying to do different styles and everything. And my makeup artists and, and hairstylists are amazing. But yeah, I was going to ask you if you had like a regular team of people who I work do. on you. <laughs> They're amazing. They're wonderful, wonderful artists. But they also know that I, you know, I can do my own and I can turn it if I need to turn it, which is great. <laughs> do you, are you someone who enjoys like, because um, I mean, you have to be in the hair and makeup chair for I'm sure hours for the show, but then also for the red carpet. Do you enjoy having other people doing your hair and makeup? Yeah, because these people are artists as well. And I like when I see other artists doing their amazing work. So I enjoy it completely. I love looking at the finished product because I know they're going to do a good job. I trust them. And I know that they've been doing this for years. Most of them have been doing it for years. So I trust anything that they really lay on my face. Yeah. Are there any tips that you feel like you've gotten from any of them that have like stuck in your head? Well, primer is most importantly, like that's the most important thing. You have to use any type of product. You have to make sure that your skin is protected and that it's safe. Are there specific hair products that you you just like absolutely love? Shea Moisture is my favorite hair product to use on my regular hair and to use actually on my wigs. I'm a wig girl. I love doing different types of things with falls. And, and if people don't know what falls are, it's just a track, honey. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but for the most part, Shea Moisture, it keeps away fly flyaways a lot. The consistency of their edge control is perfect. And they have healthy products in it. It's not just crazy sodium that's in it and it's not things that are messing up your skin it's actually replenishing it and like making it better and also I mean Olay I use that on my body 90% of the time people don't even notice that that's your whole body Um, your skin is your biggest organ I know I feel like people only notice it when something's wrong (laughs) where they're like oh it has a weird rash or something yeah right 
you know, but they don't understand that like you have to keep it clean and you have to keep it hydrated. Um, I remember a friend of mine always telling me your skin loves hydration. We're like plants yep. in a way. Yeah. And it absorbs. So Olay was one of the best things. And being that it has shea butter in it too, I'm a girl of color. You know, I'm a black and Latina girl. I need some shea moisture. I got melanin in my skin. So it's really good for that. It's just, it tackles every single thing that you want to be fixed. Yep. On like just a any given morning, let's say if you're not filming that day, what's your normal beauty routine? Like, do you have a regular skincare routine? Do you always wear makeup every day? If it's like a weekend, you have nothing going on. Are you just like barefaced? Like, what do you do? Some days I go barefaced. For the most part, I, it's important to take a shower and brush your teeth, everybody. It's very, very essential. <laughs> but uh, I, I usually take a shower and I use a wonderful loofah, obviously, to exfoliate my skin while I'm in shower. I use Olay, obviously, to um, clean and get that like smooth, nooky, matte lay. After I get out, I start right on my face. I wash my face vigorously. Do you consider yourself a minimalist when it comes to products or do you like trying a lot of new things? I like trying a lot of new things, but once I get fixed on one thing, that's it. There was this one of them. It's a Cindy Crawford um, facial product that she uses and it is so good. It is amazing. She had this face wash that made your skin feel smooth af- afterwards. And then she had this like overlay of skin replenishing and rejuvenation in the skin. Do you like getting treatments also? Like, do you, are you someone who gets normal facials? Do you get laser treatments, any of that stuff? I don't get any laser treatments. I do love a good facial. I do love a good facial. Sometimes I do them myself too. Yeah, I'll, I know. I'll buy some packets. I like that too. I like getting a professional one because I feel like there are now good facialists who do things that I can't do at home. Like if they're sure. using more technology or something, those are always a really special treat. <laughs> mm-hmm. And they know what they do, they're they doing, too. I, I would never want to uh, hurt myself when it comes to my face. Right, I'm not doing extractions on myself. <laughs> nope. Nope. We cannot do that. We have to no. go to a dermatologist and make sure that happens the right way. Um, <laughs> but yeah, for the most part, I love facials. They, they're good. Yeah. It's also so relaxing, too. It's like getting a it massage. Is. It's like, oh. It is. It's just you don't have to do anything. It's just sit there and just like let it happen. Totally. Is there anything else that you do for self-care? Like, do you get massages? Do you meditate? Like, what other things are you doing to take care of yourself? As of recently, I started getting massages. Your body is important and your body needs to have that zap back again. It needs to know how it links again. And I think massaging and having just aromatherapy is also important too. Having those things just snaps your body back into what it needs to be yeah. snapped back into. Do you do aromatherapy at home or do you go somewhere? Is it like incorporated into the massage? It's incorporated into the massages most of the time, but also I do it at home too. I have like some small lavender essential oils and some um, clove. I have oh. cloves. Um, as well. Is the clove, because I know lavender is like relaxing. Is clove also like a relaxing one? For me, it's very relaxing. I love the smell. It keeps me calm. It makes me feel like even and balanced. Yeah. So I use that. I know. It's so interesting. Like I I love learning. I have one friend who's like very into crystals and crystal therapy right now. Mm-hmm. And so I just saw her a couple of weeks ago and she was trying to explain everything to me. And it's like so much information, mm-hmm. but it's sort of like once you get into something and you just like really... You know, that's the thing that relaxes you. It's so awesome. It's really good. And it keeps you, it keeps you, it keeps you zen. Yeah. I know we talked before about like as a, like as a younger person, like what your image of beauty and like who the epitome of beauty was. But now do you have a specific beauty icon, whether it's like a celebrity or is there a person in your life who you just think is absolutely the epitome of beauty? 
Is it uh, still Janelle, Janelle Monae? <laughs> it is definitely still Janelle Monae. But also, there's a young woman who is trailblazing in the beauty realm, and that is Zendaya. Zendaya is right there in yep. front of our faces right now um, <laughs> on the Allure magazine. <laughs> but she is trailblazing, and she has the most beautiful skin. Her makeup is always flawless. so gorgeous. And she's so and good flawless. at doing it herself. Exactly. She's really good. And she's just such a... She, I love what she stands for. She's so young and also so wise. Yep. And I appreciate that. So, yeah. yeah those, I agree. She's amazing. Yeah. And she's... she's. I mean, she's a young adult trailblazing for the young adults out there who are 24, 25 years old and making it happen. And she is a boss to me. Yeah. And that's the person that I see. Yeah. What I, what I, what are one of the things that I love about her too is that she does take risks with her look. Like it's one of my pet peeves on the red carpet that I feel like the red carpet for a while had gotten very boring mm -hmm. because people were afraid of being on like the worst dress list or something. Mm. That is the worst thing to think about. Like who cares? Like to me, I feel like the red carpet should be a place of fun and where you want to see experimentation. And I'm glad it's now, it feels it's like it's going back there. That. Yeah. It really is. I'm glad you said that because, I mean, yeah, there was a moment where people were a little bit afraid of expressing what they wanted to express because they thought someone was going to say something crazy. I think now people are really in their in themselves now yep. and, and learning that they can express and explore however they want to. And they're doing it. Like you said, they're doing it now. It's definitely been open more. Yeah. And I, I see it every single day. And I'm glad that she does it. When I started seeing her do it, I was inspired, you know, to do it. And I'm a very outgoing, outspoken person, you know what I mean? And But sometimes it gets a little scary when you have to go out in front and, and, and put yourself on display. And she does it so well. And she I don't even think she displays herself. She just walks in and grazes yep. the area. So Yeah. Okay, one last question for mm -hmm. you. I feel like some of us are planners and some are not. I don't know that I know the answer to this question myself, mm -hmm. but where do you see yourself in five to 10 years? In Five to 10 years, I see myself being somewhat completely actualized and established well within my career, in my love life, in my family. And I see myself constantly fighting. I see myself changing the world through my art, whether it be through movies, whether it be through music, whether it be just through performing. I see myself tackling everything I need to tackle because I know what my purpose is. And I hope every kid behind me has that kind of thought process because they'll achieve anything they want to do. And hopefully down the line, I see myself with a husband and some kids and chilling and me telling my kids the same exact thing so they can say, mommy did this. And I want to do it too. You're incredible. Thank you so much for being Thank here. You. Is there anything that you, anything else that you want to tell our audience, how they can follow you, anything? I mean, you guys can follow me at MJRodriguez7 on Instagram and Twitter. And I just love each and every last one of y'all. Never stop fighting. Always do it through love, positivity, and inspiration. And keep on the good fight. Awesome. Thanks, MJ. Of course. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye, y'all. I hope you enjoyed my chat with MJ Rodriguez. Don't forget to subscribe to the Allure podcast and give us five stars if you liked this conversation. Mm -hmm.